God's mercy and God's peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. That last hymn, Lord, help us in our servant needing us. The base of our meditation today is our epistle lesson, which you've all heard. But I would be doing an injustice to the Word of God if I did not read a few verses before. Ephesians chapter 5. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and his wife must respect her husband. Dear friends in Christ, if there is a verse in Scripture that can get people all worked up, and which because of that has been ignored and written off as irrelevant by modern men and women, it is that one that starts our epistle today. Hus wives, submit unto your husbands. I'm sure that members of this gathering, especially some women, on hearing the first words, especially that word, submit. You heard it that way, didn't you? <laughs> Maybe said under your breath, God, you must be kidding. God, you have to be kidding. No one is going to ask me or compel me or make me by force submit to anyone, let alone my husband. In this modern day and age, God, this verse is simply obsolete. It's gone with the dodo birds. I remember a young lady in my youth group in my first parish in our regular Bible study with our young adults. We came across Ephesians 5, and everything went really well through the first 21 verses of Ephesians 5 because it talks about the new life in Christ and how we are called to be imitators of Christ in our whole lives and how we live and interact and especially how we live within the fellowship of faith. The first 21 verses went well, as I said. But when we read verse 22, this young lady, Christian then, still active in the church, went ballistic. It's as if I'd placed a button in her life that caused her to explode. She was totally over the edge about this verse. How can you expect me to do that? You have to understand it was the 1970s. 
when women's rights were at the forefront of culture, and any young woman worth her salt, even a Christian one, would take offense at anything that seemed to proclaim a woman's subjugation or enslavement in a male-dominated society. Those were things that were soon to be gone. We had some talking to do, and we did. It took us some time as we went back and forth over this whole chapter, not just this one word, but the whole chapter, to see, try to see what God was saying to us and trying to get put aside our own kind of assumptions and our own culture and our own preoccupations. Sometimes context, our context, our blinders, our own colored glasses keep us from really seeing and hearing God's meaning in his scriptures. When it comes to this lesson, though, I must admit we can't blame the women's movement for misunderstanding it. We can't even blame our culture, or we can't even blame the changes in society. We have to blame the people who print the Bibles. Because this is how they lay out your Bible. If you notice, you read this text, there's submit to one another out of reverence from Christ, then there's a break, and then there's a title, which is not in the original text, and then it carries on with our epistle lesson today, separating the two thoughts and disconnecting one from the other and causing all manner of frustration ever since. The, making it the first line in a paragraph sort of puts it in on its own without those words that come before it that make so much sense. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence Christ. It is said that when those who even set aside the various readings for the Sunday chose to accept that segregation of these two thoughts that together help us understand what Paul is trying to say in chapter 5. We need to look at the whole of chapter 5 and think what Paul is trying to teach us. Actually, in 5 and 6, he's telling us how to live as Christians in family, in the church, and he, he speaks to different groups along the way. But he begins with this. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. He sets up Jesus as the example of the Christian life and how we interact and work with one another and how we are servants one of another. And then after a great discussion about what it means to live this new life of life in Christ, he comes and he sums it up and makes the transition. Therefore, because of this, we can submit to one another. And we do so not by compulsion, not by force, not by threat of persecution, but because we have been loved by Christ. And we do so willingly out of reverence for our Lord Jesus Christ. It is clear we all have a problem with that word submit, don't we? Even though when the screen failed to change a few minutes ago, you all submitted to the stop. You all submitted to its leading, didn't you? But sometimes we think of submit as something we are forced to do, that we have no choice in doing that we are made to do against our will without any choice on our part. And yet we do submit all the time, every day. 
We submit to a medical procedure, giving informed consent to the doctor or surgeon, don't we? We submit, or at least occasionally, as Pastor Sai has pointed out many times, to the laws of the road. We submit to them, and you know what? When we submit to them willingly, guess what? We don't get in accidents. We don't get tickets. If we go to court, we submit to the powers of the judiciary. And those in the military understand that you cannot operate an army unless people are willing to submit to those in authority. Because if you don't, it's chaos and you can't get anywhere. All in all, to submit is not always bad, nor evil, nor in fact, to submit does not always dehumanize us or belittle us or devalue us. That is, unless we depart from Christ. To submit is to accept or yield to one you know is worthy of authority and whose will we accept. When we put this in the context of verse 21, we might think of it this way. As children of God, we submit our wills to Christ. Every time we say, and we will say it today, thy will be done. We submit to his will because we know it is a gracious will and a good will, and God, Christ is working for us. We realize, though, and we need to understand about this lesson, that Paul is not talking about the world at large. He's talking about the Christian fellowship. He's talking to those who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, who have been redeemed by his blood, whose lives are centered in Christ, who understand the victory of the cross, understand their sin, and understand the victory of Christ's forgiveness in their lives. Unlike the world around them, where to submit was compelling with threat, Paul redefines submit as surrendering our will to the will of God, knowing that his love is what enables us to work in community as servants. Because a servant really is someone who submits themselves for the good of the other. So let's look at our lesson today with this understanding of submission. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Paul sees faith here lived out in the home. Unlike the rest of the world, a Christian wife submits to her husband because both, and I want to underline this, both have submitted their wills to Christ. That has to happen first, or the rest doesn't make sense at all. Faith in marriage is what Paul is talking about, not gender equality or equality of power, but living as dearly loved children and in their vocations as a Christian husband and a Christian wife. The love they have received from their Savior is what they express in all that they do. And that's the definition of the relationship. This advice may not have worked in non-Christian world, but it made sense when two people are able to see each other, not as people of different power structures or different genders or different in any other way, but able to see each other as dearly loved children of God. To look at each other, to look at your wife as your sister in Christ, to look at your husband as your brother in Christ. Changes all the dynamics, doesn't it? Because you are both servants of Christ and dearly loved by him. 
Paul is talking about marriage as a metaphor for how the church in which he lives relates to Jesus. As a husband, I realize that very little is said in this verse about wives. Most of it speaks to husbands, doesn't it? And I find it very difficult sometimes that this is the hardest part to deal with this text, is the parts he says to me as a man. As a husband, this is the part that is hardest. It's not that my wife is in an inferior, in, in an inferior way submits to my will, but that God calls me as her husband to be within my abilities and the power of God worthy of respect, this calling as her husband, and of worthy of the love Christ has given us to share. Again, as I looked at the text, I hear Paul speaking all sorts of things to husbands. He calls husbands to love their wives. It would seem at first easy and obvious thing. I love my wife. That is good. But he goes on to relate that that love is an expression of how our Savior loves the church who gave up his life, who sees as his first priority the other. He is the servant of the church. A husband is a servant of his wife in a good way, in a good way. Paul carries on about husbands. Love your wives as your own bodies. Too often in our sinful world, men do just that. And in this world of self-hatred, self where men run themselves down, have no value for themselves, it's easy to see why they are hurtful and harmful to women. Paul sees that this is only going to work if a man understands that he is dearly loved and valued by God. And then he is able to love his wife in the same way. He talks about one flesh, too. In one flesh, it seems we need to learn that this is not a question of either or, but us. Which is a hard concept in our culture, isn't it? Because it's very much about me, 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 me. My own needs, my own aspirations. And there's nothing, Paul says, that when two servants kneel before the Savior, the response is, us as servants. How can we serve our Lord together? Now Paul says that this bond is a mystery, and it is. The challenge for us today in our very me-oriented world is how to live it when the world sees it as such a strange thing, where we need to turn submission into servanthood and love seen in the pattern of Christ for his people. It is a mystery. Now, Paul reminds us that he is really showing us how Christ loves his church. And when I look at some great marriages, I have known this makes real sense. I'm talking about Christ in the church, he says. Christ loves his church. And you notice there's that old saying that when a couple has been married for a lot of years, they start to look alike and act alike. And I guess that's what Christ wants for the church. He wants us to look and act like him. We grow more Christ-like. Be imitators of Christ as dearly loved children. And so he ends this section before going on to talk about children. And he's still talking to husbands. Each of you must love your wife as he loves himself, and a wife must respect her husband. I think from experience, these last words are not so much a command as a reality. When a man loves himself as he realizes how much Christ has loved him, his love for his wife goes beyond worldly ideals or commands. 
and he grows in respect and love for her. This is a mystery. And we can keep talking about this with each other. God has made marriage special no matter what our culture says. God has called those who live in Christian marriage to high ideas and high blessings. And who wins? We all do. The church does. And when the church acts as a faithful bride to its Lord, the all creation is benefited. So we tried to see this lesson in light of God's love for us as sinners, whom he calls to his table to feed and grow and love. Dear friends in Christ, one of the blessings of being a pastor is you get to see the church from a different direction. One of the most blessed things I see often that is illustrated by this text is when I see a husband and wife come up to the communion rail and kneel together and receive the body and blood of their Lord Jesus Christ. To me, that's what Paul is talking about. Being servants one another, submitting first to Christ, and as learning that servanthood from him, learning to be servants to each other. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all human understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Hi, Pastor Sai here. I hope this message was encouraging for you. At Riverbend Lutheran Church, our goal is to support Christians in their daily walk with God and in proclaiming the love of Christ to a lost and broken world. We're a small and inviting congregation welcoming any and all who are sinful, hurting, seeking, or simply broken. Whether you're already a Christian and are looking for a church home or you're undecided about your faith and looking for answers, you are welcome here. We have a number of programs for all ages and walks of life. Sunday mornings we have worship followed by educational programs for all ages. Please join us. For more information, you can visit us online at www.riverbendlutheran.com, call us at 780-430-7382, or email me at pastor at riverbendlutheran.com. Better yet, stop in for a visit. Until then, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with his favor and grant you his peace.